Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening in with us today on our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. Our podcasts are brought to you by the Military Child Education Coalition, whose work is focused on ensuring quality educational opportunities for all military-connected children affected by mobility, family separation, deployments, and transition. Here at the MSEC, we want to ensure that every military child is college, workforce, and life ready. In our podcast, we will share your stories as we talk to military service members, professionals, parents, and military kids. Please like, share, and subscribe. And we appreciate your comments, questions, and ideas for topics that you would like to hear more about. Good afternoon. I'm Deborah Longley. I'm the Student Programs Manager with Military Child Education Coalition. And I want to start out by saying thank you to HEB for making this podcast possible. HEB makes it a priority to get involved and make a difference in the lives of friends and neighbors. HEB is part of our organization here at MSEC, and we appreciate its company-wide support, and we especially appreciate that they go out of their way to honor the brave men and women of the U.S. Armed Forces. And we thank you so much, HEB, for ensuring this Then and Now podcast happens and we can recognize our great students. So welcome everyone to the NSEC podcast for the sake of a child. I'm Deborah Longley. I'm the student programs manager and I am here with Julian Guillermo Jr. He is the executive director of American Indian Education and he's a former S2S student. Um, I'd like to say thank you for joining us today and can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm glad to join you guys today. It's so awesome to join this podcast and be a part of the MSEC family again. And really just dive into a little few things is that I'd like to say that I'm somebody who listens before I speak in, in many environments and born and raised in Oklahoma, attend the University of Oklahoma currently in my master's in public administration. And I've always just really found joy in serving others, leading a public servant life. And particular to my public servant life, I'd say that my greatest interest is giving back to my tribal indigenous communities, particularly Comanche and Kiowa, which I am Comanche and Kiowa, but then also serving as many other native communities as possible in Oklahoma. I currently work and reside in Oklahoma, fixing that that'll soon change, but above all, indigenous peoples first in my work. In my current role, I serve as the executive director of American Indian Education at the Oklahoma State Department of Ed, and I work with uh, kindergarten through 12th grade American Indian students uh, helping bridge policy and practice between public schools and tribal communities, tribal governments on partnering for the support of Native students all across Oklahoma. Wow, you have an impressive job and I can really definitely see your heart for service and what you do. I also know that you started serving back in the Insect Student to Student program many, many years ago. And I'd heard your name when I arrived at MSEC because you're kind of a legend for all the wonderful things you've done and the success that you've had after you moved on from graduating. I want to start out by showing you a video that your former sponsor, Mr. Greg Morris from Falcon High School, found and shared it with me. And I think it's pretty impressive video. It looks like this happened back in 2008 at our national training seminar. So are you ready to take a look at it? Let's do it. Well, with student to student, when I first joined was second semester of my freshman year. I was introduced 
when I first came as a new military child, um, they came to me. I, I, I had no, you know, no idea what was going to happen then, because um, my first high school was in Oklahoma, and that experience there was no S to us there, so I didn't have no person come invite me. I didn't feel welcomed at all. You know, you got that classic high school experience that everyone talks about, but. Um, with over at Falcon, when I got the S2S experience, it just made me feel welcomed and better. And you know, it gets you that warm feeling inside. And I, I felt better, even though I would have survived, even though without it, but with S2S, it just made it easier, easier ride. What I would tell military children is try it out. Try, try S2S out. Um, advice would be, be open. Be open to your new experience. The Military Child Education Coalition um, this is a very good program. They, they're doing a good initiative for the military children, um, especially since, you know, we got a lot of trauma with the kids who, you know, are younger and their parents are sent overseas or sent to war. It's just something, as a military t child, which I am, you know, it, it changes your life. And with MSEC doing programs like these or even hosting a big conference like this, it's great. Since I'm Native American, um, my tribe works with a higher education program that will get me to Harvard University. And I will be going to Harvard. Um, and it definitely helps, you know, with S2S and things I've done in the past. I plan to use those as tools to help me get there, help accomplish my goals to eventually become mayor of Lawton, Oklahoma, which is my uh, hometown, governor of Oklahoma, and then state senate. That's my plan. So what did you think of that video? Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I, great memories. And it, it's been a long time since I've watched that video. <laughs> I've watched it before. And, and just looking back at it, it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of refreshing to know that even during high school, I've always kept in mind serving communities, particularly my tribal communities. So that's really nice. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of speechless. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've definitely grown up a little bit since then. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I sure have. I'd say that, you know, Harvard didn't happen, but... <laughs> <laughs> well, that was going to be one of my questions. Did Harvard happen? But, uh, well, we, Greg and I, well, Mr. Morris at the time, mm -hmm. the, my counselor, we did get an interview with Harvard University. Very exciting time. But unfortunately, we didn't make it past the interview process. But hey, at least we got an interview. I'm impressed yeah. that you got an interview. Yes. That was, that was an honor in and of itself. You should have seen the school district. Everyone was like cleaning the front office. Everyone was like, get ready, <laughs> Harvard's coming. But um, other than that, you know, really the, the, the passions are still the same. The goals and the intent are very similar to what I just expressed, you know, back as a high schooler, that I, I do still have an intent to stay connected to um, my Lawton community. Lawton is my hometown. Uh, I will come back to Lawton no matter where my journey takes me as an ending destination and serving my tribal community has always been my intent and maybe even having leadership at the state level, I already do in my current role, but it's just so nice to see that. It's, it's pretty reflective, you know, looking back in, in, in what I said back then to, to now, it's, uh, it's really nice. I really love that you set a goal out in when you were, what were you, would you say, were you a, or a sophomore or a junior then? Yeah, sophomore, junior. That's when I kind of really started to get involved in S2S. Greg really kind of wrote me in. 
so about your junior year or so, and you already had a plan laid out, and I can see you've already taken huge steps in making that happen. Can you share what it was like growing up as a military child? Yeah, I'd be happy to. There's many things I could say to kind of express what the experience was like. But if I could just start with my first recollection, like the first emotion that comes to mind, is that uh, I remember feeling like a deep emotional or um, I guess you could say a cultural uh, divide or separation from my extended family. Because in Native communities, you know, we care very deeply about mm-hmm. cultural knowledge and tradition. And a part of that is being in the physical space of your community and growing up as a military child, that doesn't happen, right? You, you're going to get home is where the military sends you. So, <laughs> that, you know, we, we still made home happen for us, no matter where we went. But it was so nice to, um, to kind of have those experiences in exchange, um, seeing the world. And I would be remiss not to say that I have an immense amount of gratitude for two wonderful individuals, those being my parents, who've made sure that I stay connected to my identity, my family back home, and just really stay connected to a lot of the support folks, friends that I've made connections with throughout anywhere we've lived, whether that be Texas, Georgia, Germany. It was kind of funny that we started moving around so often every two or three years is when we would move because that really gave, uh, equipped me with a skill of going into new environments, adapting, making new friends, uh, stepping outside of my, my shell, and uh, just finding new ways to you know, communicate and socialize with, with people. And uh, my experience as a military child is, is I give credit to that, that I, I, I'm, I'm very adaptive uh, as a person right now. You're, you said your parents really helped you stay connected to your cultural background and then help you help you adapt. Can you give parents out there some advice um, from what your parents did that, that helped you so much? Yeah, absolutely. The first two things that come to mind, especially as, you know, thinking about my parents and the supports they gave my sister and I was that they made sure that no matter what time of the day it was or what day of the week it was, we would always have some conversation around what was going on back home, that my mother would be very intentional with reminding us of our roots, of our identity, uh, how important it is that we've made it this far, this far in life and that you know, as a native person, as an indigenous person, it's very important to keep in mind, you know, where you come from. And my parents, my, my father and mother always reminded us of where our family is, uh, whether that be Lawton, Oklahoma or Houston, Texas. Um, we always maintain contact. And during the times that we could, we would go visit during the summer, even though it was probably just for three or four days, we made an intentional decision to go back for those few days even though sometimes it was a little bit of a drag to, you know, travel that far to go back home just to kind of get jet lagged. But uh, it it was very meaningful. And I believe that was a key to success for me as a military child to carry on my own identity while being a military child and going into any new environment. It was okay. I, I, 
I had a lot of confidence into what I was stepping into because I knew where I came from. Sounds like your parents really married the idea of being a military child and then your cultural of an indigenous people together and having conversations with you. Is that correct? That they never let go, that conversation and communication was important to them. Yes, very much so. They, they were very intentional on keeping the conversation going. And even though sometimes the things we talked about were a little bit more complex for somebody who was elementary, middle school aged, that didn't matter. Because at that time, my sister and I, we understood a lot of these concepts of the importance of maintaining home roots mm-hmm. and uh, remembering all of our relatives back home. Were there any activities in particular that they did with you that bring up great memories? Yeah, absolutely. I, I think there was a mixture of uh, pictures, you know, make, taking family photos, uh, pictures of family, uh, keeping good news, uh, always, you know, um, with my sister and I, that if there was something going on back home, if, if a family member had a milestone or something to celebrate, or even a birthday, that we, I remember distinctly we would always get on the phone, especially if it, there were birthdays going on in the family, mm-hmm. that we could still by phone, even though we couldn't visually or physically see them, we could still wish them happy birthday. And I think that was, that was something so small, but, and um, still I remember we would have 10 to 20 minutes conversation with my grandfather uh, on my mother's side, family and relatives on my father's side, that was an important time because it was all four of us, my immediate family, my father, my mom, and my sister, all four of us around the phone talking to family, you know, one time after another in conversation. I love that you said it was good news. They shared positive stories with you too to make you feel close. I love that. Yeah. So tell me how S2S impacted you. You know, I was talking with my mom actually about, you know, hey, do you remember when I did S2S? And she was like, oh yeah, I remember when you did S2S. She was like, I remember, I remember that you had fun. They took you places and they helped you kind of step outside of your own, you know, shell shyness or anything like that. And what I remember on the impacts of S2S were exactly that, that I felt like S2S as a program helped tap into some natural talents that I knew I had, but I really didn't have an opportunity to exercise them or use them. And really in particular, you know, that was just helping other people. I knew experiences of what it meant as a, as a student to go into a new school and feel completely lost. And um, I wasn't going to tell anybody that I felt lost. But as, a, as an S2S student, I could go and, and, and meet a new student who may be feeling those same feelings and help them have a different experience. And that, I found that very rewarding in my experience with S2S and made some really close friends, friends that I'm still you know, friends with today via social media. It's amazing how you make those connections and you just stay in contact. And I would again be remiss to not even mention the sort of impact that S2S has had on me and being able to travel across the country. I remember going to 
I forget, I don't know the exact title, but I remember going to the um, Gaylord Resort Center in Washington, D.C. and meeting former Secretary Arne Duncan. And I remember our time at West Point with uh, Francis Hesselbein, a student leadership program, and just, you know, the the little bits of memories, all positive, um, definitely helped build my character as a person. That leads me to the impact that Francis Hesselbein had on you, um, this leadership program. We are about to have one coming this fall. It's going to be a bit different because it's going to be virtual. But can you share the impact that that trip had on you? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I just remember distinctly that every single one of the adults in the room surrounded us with so much positivity uh, strong reinforcement, and just telling us that what we what we had uh, in our personalities and our talents, uh, we have remarkable capabilities to make a strong impact in the world as young leaders. And that really just kind of helps reinforce something that I already knew that I that I had as a leader that I wanted to help people, that I wanted to help my communities, and I just know that I needed that positive reinforcement to, to get there. Uh, I remember in the program visiting West Point, we walked through classrooms, we walked across campus, participated in a few fun mock exercises, we ate with the cadets, uh, we talked with cadets, and I just remember um, above all with the program meeting um, meeting Miss Frances Hesselbein, that the motto, the lifestyle, the life philosophy of service to others is pure joy. It is, it, it creates a, a life that is fulfilling and it is so true. Even in the few years that I've had between now and then, it is so true to live in service of others. Money can't buy it. No, it can't. And that is her model, motto about serving others too. So uh, my next question is going to be what impacted you most? And I can tell it's about service to others. Mm-hmm. Do you have any specific stories about serving someone that changed your life? You thought you were doing them something wonderful, but, and in turn you saw um, it made a difference with you too? I remember that, and this is how I made a good long friendship with a good friend of mine. Her name is Paige Queen. We were both uh, working together to uh, bring in a new student at, at, um, at Falcon High School. And we we're both Paige and I were pretty busy. So that's why we kind of tag team help with, um, with the new student. And when you're involved in like student council, and other extracurricular activities. Um, I remember that we were pretty stretched for time, but we still made sure to invest our, you know, welcoming efforts with the new student. And at the end of it, I remember getting a note from our administration. And I forget who exactly uh, wrote the note for us, but I remember getting a note that the student was so thankful that S2S was at Falcon High School because their former, they, they actually moved schools because they were having a bad experience in, in a neighboring school district. And uh, Falcon High School, that was because of the positive you know, experience, they figured they would stay at Falcon. And I really didn't think that the actions that, you know, that we took, uh, as small as, as it is to welcome a new student to the school would, almost be in a a situation the stakes would be so high. 
I didn't realize that the emotional stakes can be so high, you know, and helping that new student really kind of helped me realize again, what it means to reinforce my own uh, sense of service to others. I really love your service to others, your servant heart. As a teenager, you had aspirations to be a community leader and serve the people in Walton, Oklahoma. How close are you to achieving that goal? Yeah, I would say pretty close. I, I think in many respects, I'm pretty connected to my Lawton community. First and foremost, in a professional setting, I, I serve as a tribal gaming commissioner with my tribe, Comanche Nation, where I, I help oversee the regulatory aspects of our casino uh, mm -hmm. facilities in Oklahoma. In my role at the Oklahoma Department of Education, I help support connections between the local area tribes in Oklahoma and Lawton, that being the Comanche, Kiowa, and Apache, Fort Sill Apache in Delaware in the Lawton area. It really is so nice to be able to walk into schools that I used to be a student in and see not only other Native students going there, but then also knowing that the connections I help facilitate between the adults in the room can help build a better and more positive environment for Native students who are currently going to school there. And that is, those, those two main ways are how I stay connected to my community and, and really give back to what, uh, what's been given to me. Tell me a little bit about your current job. So you give back, so you, you work in the Department of Education for Oklahoma. So what, what all does that entail that you do on a daily basis and how you help students? Yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's the question. If I could boil down into just one simple sentence of what I do is that I build partnerships between tribal nations as sovereign governments. Mm -hmm. I build partnerships between tribes and school districts. And in my role at the department, that can kind of manifest in many ways. That could mean that we're working on a curriculum or instructional project to help uh, school classroom educators, you know, receive professional development on how to work with Native students more efficiently in a culturally responsive manner. That could also mean that I dig into the more policy-oriented realms of, you know, data and making sure that Native student data is looked at to make better policy decisions at the state level. It could also mean supporting gifted and talented identification of Native students to be more represented in GT programs. It could also mean, you know, helping students with special needs also receive access to adequate services. Really, again, it boils down to what are the needs of the community uh, in that particular area. So a lot of my work spans the entire state. I'm working in Oklahoma City physically, but there are many days where I'm, you know, virtually connect well virtually nowadays mm -hmm. um, working with you know area schools in northeast oklahoma southwest oklahoma southeast oklahoma northwest and that just has so many dimensions but above all it's building bridges sometimes mending bridges mm -hmm. uh, but above all it's making sure that native students are supported by responsible policy to ensure their success you had mentioned very early on in the podcast that you um, listen. You do a lot of listening. Can you give us some advice on how to be a better listener? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, 
that's probably the most important question. How do you listen? You know, communication is a two-way street. And uh, when, when individuals turn that two-way street into a one-way, information's only flowing one way. And you do a lot of disservice to the potential for friendship and partnership when there is no two-way communication. And in my current studies as a, as a scholar, if you will, um, I study uh, collaborative public management. So the idea of what it means for governments, no matter who they are, at what level they are, what does that mean for governments to work collaboratively for the most efficient outcome? And a part of that tool, as simple as it is, is the hardest and it's listening, taking in information kind of checking your own biases at the table, but then also asking questions, also making sure that you are aware of verbal and nonverbal cues, that you're respectful in the way that you uh, treat new knowledge, and that you always take it upon yourself to reach out during the times when people least expect it. So there's a lot of instances of where you can um, be a strong leader through listening. And by starting with listening, you can you can definitely learn a lot. You said reaching out when people least expect it. Is that with a phone call, a note, or is that just in the course of a conversation? Yeah, no, that's a that's a good follow-up. It depends on the person. You know, in my in my work, I I work across multiple generations of professionals. So sometimes when I'm talking with you know, um, those who are more familiar with uh, uh, texting, I'll send a simple text or those who prefer an email that I've picked up on, then we'll, I'll send them an email. Or if there are some who prefer a phone call, I'll just give them a short phone call. It depends on the person that you're, that you're working with. And by listening to how they prefer to have communication, then you can better understand ways to, to reach out to them that they're comfortable with. So as someone who needs to be a better listener, I need one nugget that you can give me that will help me be a better listener when we get off this podcast. <laughs> one nugget. I feel like the, the value of patience means a lot. And being, being a patient person is also a very hard thing to do because um, we can we can get a little antsy or impatient because we want things now. When you're patient, that means you're powerful because uh, good, good things always come to those who listen and those who are patient. I love that. Good things that always come. Good things always come to those who listen. Wow. Okay, that one, that is awesome. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And so this podcast is all about stories and impact. Is there a story you would like to share with our listeners? You know, I think the story of what it means to be a Native American student, an Indigenous student who is also military dependent. If you ever come across students like, like myself, like my sister, um, we are out there and there are strong needs for Native students who come from military dependent backgrounds, um, mostly because of the cultural distance. I would just encourage you to really think about the indigenous peoples that are in your community 
in your life, no matter where you are, and make a point to try to connect and communicate with them when they least expect it. How can we break down barriers? There's a few areas that are pretty, you hear about a lot, you know, breaking down barriers by finding common ground. You break down barriers by, you know, initiating communication. A way that I like to break barriers is to really reach out to the other person to see if there's some, if there's some areas that they want more knowledge or they're a little scared to ask certain questions that are that they don't want to be insensitive by any means. Um, nobody wants to be insensitive, I can tell you that. You can have really powerful conversations around what it means to be um, vulnerable in expressing that you, you don't know a lot about something. And that is not just about culture, that's everything in the world. And working with students, working with administrators, working with policymakers, I think that's the biggest frustration. So, you know, breaking barriers is all about sharing knowledge, coming to the table with something exciting, whether it be new knowledge or new information, and maybe you just want to fact check it. So you're looking at another individual as, a, as an expert source to fact check uh, materials or bring them to the table on a project, a collaboration. A lot of my success I attribute to just openly reaching out to somebody, not because I wanna gain something from them, but because I wanna give something to, from, to them. And that could mean an opportunity to be connected, to be a leader, to be, a, to be an advocate, to be involved in so many other areas of you know, getting involved. And when you empower other people, that's when you break those barriers. You have um, made a huge impact today on me. your story, um, your passion, your um, desire to serve communication has made a huge impact. And I know that when our audience listens to this, they're going to feel the same way. <laughs> I could potentially see more conversations happening in the future. And I hope that that's a possibility. Absolutely. You. Absolutely. Count but me in. I, I just am I'm blown away. It sounds to me like Harvard really missed out on having probably an incredible student. And I think um, they need to come back and check you out. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there anything else you want to tell me? A question that I didn't ask that you can't wait to tell me about? Um, Anything else you'd like to share? If I could just, just briefly mention that um, I just want to convey the, the impact and the positive experience that S2S has had on my life. But it, it was all thanks to Mr. Greg Morris, my uh, high school counselor. And if there's any story that's, that's powerful, it's the, the impact of an educator choosing to give their talents and um, help students unlock their talents. Every single one of us have talents, no matter who we are. And that's what an educator does. They unlock those talents. And uh, through love and service, um, there's so many other things that we can do in this world. You know, right now, educators under, are under a lot of stress. And I think hearing that message, it's gonna make a difference to all of them. Absolutely. So, they can keep on keeping on. That's what 
and that they make a difference every single day, whether it's virtually like we are now or whether it's in the classroom, they make a difference. Absolutely. Getting me all teary-eyed. So thank you you for sharing this time with me. Um, I look forward to more conversations. Um, When you get to your new job, will you please look us up? Absolutely. So thank you for this conversation, and I look forward to chatting with you in the future. Same here. I want to thank you again for listening to our podcast, For the Sake of the Child. We would like to invite you to visit our website at www.militarychild.org. Like the MSEC on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Please join us again next time as we share more stories that impact our military-connected kids.